0: Welcome to the City View Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. For those of you who are new, my name is Jared. Welcome to City View Church. Are we excited this morning? Awesome, awesome. Um, just so you know, uh, I'm not. if it's your first time, I'm not the main guy. That would be my man, Jeremiah Semler. Can we please give it up for our lead pastor this morning? And fun facts, for those who uh, were so fortunate to miss a few weeks ago, you might remember this this service specifically, uh, I have a really bad allergy problem at the moment. Any other people with me? Now, can you imagine your worst fear, right, is public speaking. Now, imagine that you have no idea when your voice is going to or not work, right? So anyway, three weeks ago, uh, Mark so graciously uh, stepped in live, and people after were like, was that planned? Kind of. I was like hey mark more than likely not gonna make it through the service and he's like i got you and in the same way today we might run back that same story so please give it up for mark just in case (laughs) so with that said uh i'm gonna be praying though that i'm gonna be really careful as you know me i can get very excited and loud and i'm gonna try to keep it chill right so if that gets boring, I am sorry. I just am trying, by the grace of God, to make it through two services. Last point, I'm going to be downing mints like you've never seen before, but it's just part of the experience today. So, as Mark mentioned, we're in 1 Peter, and I truly believe what I'm going to say today is, uh, for some of you, is going to be so prophetic from the Lord to your situation Uh I believe he's going to break some lies in your life, and I, I am very, very, very excited for what God has for us as a church family within 1 Peter. So let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, just for this family that you are building. Lord, I thank you that uh, each and every one of us are, are coming to know more of who you are day by day. And as we know you more, Lord, we start to get more context for who we are. And God, I just thank you that um, each one of your children in this room, and even those maybe that have not put their faith in you, that one day will. I pray that for those of us that are believers, that this message and First Peter in general would just be a sweet encouragement from you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do something that only you can do. And of course, as we always pray as a church... We're so grateful for your local church here in the Valley, across the U.S. We pray for um, the Valley Lifes, the Calvaries, Pillar Church, Trinity, uh, all the different churches here in the Valley. I just ask just your blessing um, upon each and every one of those pastors as they preach your word. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Have you ever felt like as soon as something bad happens to you, that God was punishing you. How many of you feel like when something bad happens to you, oh, that's because God's punishing me? Uh, years ago, when I first started following Jesus, um, I remember one morning I was going to work on the freeway on the 101. And it was summer that day, and you have the AC turned up super high. And so I'm, I'm driving, and I'm wearing a short sleeve polo, and I remember, like it was yesterday, my arms got cold from the AC, right? So I'm on the freeway. I go to dial in the AC, and out the side of my eye, I see a car move from the right lane into the middle, and the person in front of me just brake-checked out of fear, and there I was in their trunk. So I'm in the trunk of on the freeway. I've rammed into the back of their car. We're now in a complete stop in rush hour, to which I'm like, hey, let's get over to the side of the road, right? We're all okay. This is good. And we're just sitting there. And I'm getting, like, frustrated. I'm like, oh, my gosh, please get over, because I can't get off the freeway because I'm in your trunk. I can't really back up. Like, let's get over off the freeway. So we finally do, right? Cop comes, called my dad. We get off... Uh, off the freeway somewhere, and I remember my dad shows up and I go, I know why this happened. And he's like, just listening to me. And I said, I was so mad. There was a lot of curse words. And I was saying like, I know, dude, God is just punishing me because I wasn't focused enough because I wasn't, I was listening to rap or something like that. I just was making up all these ideas and excuses of why God was punishing me. And always, it wasn't just that moment. It was all the subsequent trials in my life. As a new believer, I was like, gosh, there's just something I'm not doing enough. I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not focusing enough. And for whatever reason, that was my, my, my thing that I thought that God was getting after me on. Now, maybe many of you can relate. Maybe you two can think like when something bad happens to you, oh, This must be God. Just want to let you know, uh, God doesn't punish believers just to give you a heads up because Jesus was already punished on your behalf. And if God is a holy and just God, he cannot judge the same thing twice for that would be unjust. And so we do know as believers that we are not being ever punished by God for Jesus already took our punishment. Now I will say that the Lord does have a thing called discipline which can be which can be translated as training, but discipline from the Lord is a lot different from a holy, just, perfect, emotionally healthy, heavenly Father than us. It's different, and so I say that because nonetheless, when trials hit us, right, we have a very hard time of making sense of them. Like they just really they throw us off, right. And so what we'll try to do is we'll try to boil it down to something so simple, I didn't do this, so God is doing X, when in reality, trials are a lot more complex than that. The other day, I was talking to this guy, and he he was saying he's going through something. He goes, man, I just think this is a test. And I wanted to say, this is not a test you 100% made a multitude of bad decisions and you are in the bad spot that you're in, right? But on the flip side, I've heard people that, you know, you get a unwanted health diagnosis and you can assume it's because of this. And we do this as believers. Oh, it's because you're not doing X. When in reality, it could be something as simple as rogue cells at an opportune time striking your body and your body's just not ready for it, and so I say all this because I want to talk about trials, but not just trials in general. Trials for your faith, as as the culture heats up, and uh, your beliefs in as you follow Jesus are going to run very opposite than how the Lord, than how the world thinks, right, and so. What Peter is going to encourage you and I in is not just, I would say, our trials for our faith, but also our trials just in general. He's just got a lot of good encouragement there. So with that said, here's what I want you to know, the big takeaway for today. Following Jesus doesn't make us exempt from trials. Rather, Jesus redeems and grows our faith through trials, So thank God, right, that he at least does something with it because we're all meaning machines. You're like, can you at least just do something with the chaos or my past or my trauma? The answer is yes, praise God, right? But here's why I want you to know that, because most Christians will equate trials as bad karma from the Lord. Underneath the surface, it's what most people think. They're like, oh, I didn't do this, so God is doing this. And so when in reality, trials are actually just a part of our broken world, they're from our enemy, trials are something like we can create our own storms, people can create storms for us, it's very complex, and yet Jesus promises to redeem them. Thank thank you, Jesus. So we jump into 1 Peter, right? But before we jump into 1 Peter 1, I want to start with the end states. Meaning, what is Peter literally writing about? The big idea will be behind me. Peter's writing to encourage Christians who are suffering for their faith, right? And here is the end state. It's in 1 Peter 5. He says this, By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, Stand firm in it. The end state of where we are going through the next few weeks is, he is saying, "I am writing to you all and to me. I'm here to encourage you and to declare that this is the true grace of God. And in the midst of your trials, stand firm in it. So let's do this. Let's read. Start at the beginning, First Peter, chapter one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus, Trinitarian language there, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. I just love that. That's his prayer right out the gate. So he says, and I'd love to say this with more emotion, He is yelling like, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. You're not who you used to be. You're a new person. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, what? That I'm born again. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that by the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. And this is why I love so much, because this is our story. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of the faith, the salvation of your souls. And he says this, concerning this salvation that we all have, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they had searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, meaning all of the Old Testament prophets were writing, foreshadowing, talking about Jesus, and were talking about the grace that was to be yours and mine. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. You. In the things you have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news, as what we are doing now, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. And there's so much, we'll stop there. There's so much good stuff in here. But what I want to focus on within this is setting us up for the things that we need to remember as we're going through trials. So from this passage, three observations. As, we walk through, as you are walking through a current trial or a future trial, you remember these three things. Observation number one, that is so important, and we need to know this one to make the rest of 1 Peter and other scriptures make sense. It is this. Number one, this is not our home. It's not our home. So it says this in verse one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to those who are elect exiles... Stick with me here because this, this language of exiles, foreigners, sojourners, it's all throughout Scripture. So he says, I'm writing to you, elect exiles. And so what Peter's doing immediately out the gate is he reminds believers, you and me and them, of their reality. That as Gentile believers, meaning you're, if you're not Jewish, you are now being included into the greater story Of God's people which started with a guy named Abram now for those of you don't know like scripture or the history uh, just a quick plug if you ever interested you can go to YouTube jump on Bible project and they will show you visuals of like these books and letters that we go through right just a quick plug but what I love so much about as you learn through the history of the scriptures and the history of humanity this humanity is the same thing over and over and over and over. What they do, and, and this includes us, we just become increasingly more corrupt, and we basically just go down the toilet bowl of life. And throughout history, God will put a stop to it or redeem it, and then the, 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 the descent continues again. He then stops it, redeems it, or the people, and then they increasingly become more corrupt. Now, God... Up until Abrams comes into the story, he's already done this before. We've already seen the moral decay. And so the things that are happening right now in 2023, it's not new. They're the same thing over and over and over. In fact, um, something that's amazing through church history is something uh, cultures will get very, uh, will go down, go down the toilet hole. Uh, and then uh, God might do, you've heard of the thing called a revival, Right? We think about the Jesus movement back in around the 80s, and all of a sudden, everyone's getting saved, and it starts to transform the community, right? And it starts to transform cities and how we live and uh, reinstitutes reinstitutes, morality according to God. And over time, then, we need another revival, essentially. So check this out. God, in Genesis 11, he looks down at humanity in this situation, and he says, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, look at humanity. What they were doing is they were building a city with a tower that they wanted to build so high because they said, we want to make our names great. And so God says, they are so unified in doing wrong. If they, we allow this to continue, there's no saying or telling what they'll be able to do, right? Right? which shows the strength of unity, but you can be unified going the wrong way. And so God says, let us, Trinitarian language, go down there and let's confuse their language and divide them. So he does so, right? Confuses the language and divides the people so they cannot increase in their corruption. Then the following chapter is Genesis chapter 12, where he randomly calls this guy, shouldn't say random, Calls this guy named Abram. And what God is doing is he is launching his redemption plan because it is through Abram's lineage that Jesus would finally come. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. So it says in Genesis 12, he says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That always makes me nervous because I go, God, where are we going? He's like, just go and I'll show you. I'm like, yeah but where are we going? Hey, just uh, follow me and uh, just, you'll, we'll, we'll walk through that. That is so the journey of faith. I'll continue. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Why? So that you can be a blessing. Now, what this kicks off is this kicks off the birth of the beginning of the Jewish people, AKA the Israelites, AKA God's people. But not only that, it kicks off this journey, this adventure where God's people are always en route to a place where God is taking them almost to never get there. And so what you'll see throughout the history of the scriptures is that the place that they and now we are going is not somewhere here, it's there. And it's not somewhere here that we we need to go. And there's a there's a physical place here. No, it's I it's 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 somewhere beyond here because this isn't your home. And what you'll f- see throughout the scriptures is Abram gets called, and he spends his whole life essentially walking through land that is not his, in in under undergoing attacks. The people in, of Israel are in Exodus; they are in captivity from. Uh, The Egyptians, they are then led out into the wilderness for 40 years, walking, not knowing where they're going. In Babylon, the Israelites are now under captivity again. They're constantly in places and spaces that is not their own. And now Peter is writing, yep, the same thing is happening, except now it's not the Egyptians, it's not Babylon, it's Rome. And in the same journey that we see through the Israelites' uh, history, is now your history and your story. Because as you are here on this earth, he is helping you realize and remember everything that the believers walk through when they're getting attacks from the culture, when societal pressure is heating up, when people do not like you for your beliefs. He's saying, this is a part of your story to the elect exiles and reminding you and reminding me that this is not home. It's not home. It's not home. Chris Pratt, recently, I listened to this interview, and uh, this, this, this uh, person's like, hey, do you get tired of, like, all these people just, like, destroying you for your faith? And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, well, yeah, sure I do. He's like, but that's nothing, not nothing, it's nothing new. He said this. He's like, man, if I was of this world, they would love me just like them. But, but God's chosen me out of the world. And I go, let's go, Chris Pratt. Like, you talk to me. That's some good theology right there. But what I love, too, is he said, yeah, yeah, it hurts, When people are hating on me for my belief, which makes me wonder, like, how many of you have ever been through something so incredibly hard that you tell yourself, it's not supposed to be this way? It's not supposed to be this way. Maybe you're going through something right now, it's like, dude, it is not supposed to be this way. And here's the truth. You're right. This isn't how God designed it. It's not supposed to be this way cancer, war, adultery, envy, pride, greed, you name it. This is not how God made things. Yet when sin entered the world, it broke everything. And so one of the challenges that we all have as believers is we will get so accustomed to this world and culture today that when trials come, it's like shocking. But remember, Peter's helping us to recall that this is not our home. And this is not your home either. Because remember, following Jesus doesn't make you exempt from trials. Rather, Jesus redeems and grows our faith through trials. So if because this isn't your home, you are on a journey going somewhere, trials are inevitable in your life and my life. It leads me to the second observation, which is this. But praise be to God, you have a living hope in your trial. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Have you ever just random random like tangent? When y'all started following the Lord, do you remember those days where you just like you put, could pop on Caleb and you just start crying out of nowhere? Is there, how many people you're just like, just the Lord, you're just crying all the time. You don't even know why. It's like a good cry, bad cry, all the things. I love that reality because that makes sense of this language, born again. Because if we're really born again, it's almost like we're newborns again, just crying over all the things, and you're just, it could be Caleb, it could be someone said something, you're just crying, you're like, oh my gosh, God is so good. We're born again, y'all. And then it says this, you've been born again to a living hope. And here's what it's not saying. It's not saying you've been born to wishful thinking. No. It's confident assurance in what you're hoping for. And your hope is not something here. It is not something there. It's in the Lord. So the reason why this is so amazing, he says that there's this inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. And so often the things that we hope for are just that. The things that you and I are so pumped to get at the end of the day could be future garage sales, outdated technology, you name it. And so the one amazing thing that trials do in our life, though trials are not fun by any means, is they will burn up false hopes in your life, especially following Jesus. Following Jesus and you want to have that hope that everyone will like you, eh, it's not going to happen. You're hoping for that one thing, and then a storm comes into your life and, like, rocks your boat, and you're like, God, I need you? Perfect, because it burned away the false hopes that wasn't going to sustain you anyway. And so notice this. He says this, this living hope is through the resurrection. He doesn't say the cross. What's he saying? He's saying that because of the resurrection of Jesus, that your God is not dead, he's alive. And if he's alive, that means he's alive with you in your trial. He is there, he is not down in the grave, he left that a long time ago, meaning that whatever you're going through, you are not alone, it's not just you. Reminds me uh, in the scriptures when they're like, man, we threw three people in the fire and then there was a there was a fourth person. Joseph was in prison and it says... Uh, but the Lord was with Joseph. It says when Saul threw a spear at David, it said Saul feared or was afraid of David because he saw that the Lord was with him. And then Jesus comes on the scene, they say, he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. So not only though, is it amazing in your trial that God is with you, he even says this, that there is this inheritance that you are to receive. Now, I can't get all the way deep in that, but let me give you the general. There will be a day in your life and mine where we can actually fully experience God with nothing getting in the way. Have you ever had those moments in your life following Jesus where he speaks to you or you are just, he says something, you experience him in a new way and you are just like mind blown, like your your soul tank is... Filled to the brim, overflowing, as it says in Psalm 23. You're like, dude, if God doesn't speak to me for another 10 years, I'm good, right? And what's amazing though is imagine those moments, but a hundred percent of the time with nothing getting in the way. Some of you we're still we're still here running on empty because of something God said three years ago that encouraged you so much. Imagine someday, no matter what you're going through, like you are going to be fully experiencing Jesus in all his glory. Free from sickness, free from pain, free from temptation, free from fear, free from failure, free from everything. And this inheritance is so great that the hope and confident expectation is You and I have in that day gives us power to endure and change in the now. Because remember, following Jesus doesn't make us exempt from trials. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. Jesus redeems and grows our faith through trials. So, give me the last point. Last number, last last observation, and this is one of the first points of my first sermon ever, but it always is so good. Observation number three: Your trial is on a timer. It says this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while. For a little while. When he says for a little while, he is saying that your suffering or trial that you are currently going through will not last forever. And this is not only coming from the scriptures, but this is coming from me. I have at the moment, uh, for those of you who don't know, I have an intestine disease that has been deemed at this moment like incurable, right? And so you're like, how does then, Jared, a little while and incurable, how, do that, how does that like coexist? I'll tell you, because every trial you have, even if it is a horrible health diagnosis, the reality is all the trials we have will be over either this side of heaven or the other. And the reality is, if you have a trial that you're going through that is going to take you, uh, will not leave you until the end of uh, our lives, right? The beauty is, what is 80 years to infinity? What is 40 years, 70 years to eternal life free from that trial someday? And so I just remember, Peter's reminding us, hey, this isn't your home And it's the hope in something greater gives me power to endure in the now because I know this thing is not forever. Now, let me tell you, I have really handled trials in many cases very, very poorly. Like we're saying like all the cuss words you can think of, all the like, like just being a nasty person as I was going through a lot of pain. Because remember, the most angry people are the most hurt people. So I was hurting from my intestines. He's like dying. I just became an angry person, right? And so here's what I've learned, though, um, like amidst walking with Jesus. I've learned that through experience walking with him, that's the really only way where you used to know something about God, but now you know something about God. I remember years ago, like I've told this story many times, like when I was going through a really hard like financial like just season of my life, I remember specifically one day in the midst of that, three people out of nowhere gave me a word, which is to say like they text me something or called me with something like encouraging. Three things on the same subject where I was like, all right, Lord, I get it. And then me and the Lord had it out. I went to him in prayer and I was like yelling, like the the word was about uh just rest, like just rest, God's got you, right? And I was—I remember yelling, I'm like, how are you telling me to rest when my bank account is going negative? I was yelling, right? Here's the interesting thing, didn't handle that one right. Good thing is I actually, I actually at least went to God. And this is the be- best part, is later, about a year later, uh, I would come to know that I used to know that God was a provider but now I know he is. And so some of the things you're going through now, you know something about God, but this distance between here and here, it just takes time and experience. You're not gonna handle it perfectly. You might be miserable and make people miserable around you like I was, but the end of the day is, as long as you stay with Jesus, no matter how angry, man, this is for somebody, no matter how angry you are, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how much doubt is going on, just stay near to Jesus and his people, and you are going to make it. You're going to get to the other side. Your trial's on a timer. it has a, It's literally ticking down, and you're going to walk into something greater than what you could have ever experienced. That was for someone. Praise God. So what he then says, in this you rejoice now for a little while if necessary you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, more precious than gold, that thing inside of you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. and Band, you can come on up. Can you imagine at the end to get to that day and God's like, you made it, well done. You, You limped in here. I know every one of us will be limping in there, bleeding, could be discouraged. But at the end of the day, God's gonna be like, man, well done, you, you made it. Because it's never about your performance anyway. It was always about your belief in Jesus. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll end with this. So if we remember, 1 Peter, because this is what we, we got to anchor to this to move forward on the journey, remember, Following Jesus doesn't make you exempt from trials. However, the beautiful thing is Jesus will redeem and grow your faith through trials, right? And so this is in our home. You're going somewhere that is not here. And in the midst of your trials, thank you, Jesus, that he is your living hope with you, standing and sitting right next to you in the pew or sitting next to your couch to you online. And the beautiful thing is the trial that you're going through will not last forever for it is on a timer, whether on this side of heaven or the next, you are going to make it. And the faith that is being refined in you and the faith refined in me is going to get a well done as Jesus was standing up, it said in Acts. When Stephen was being martyred, it said that was the one time Jesus was standing, we see in scripture, ready to welcome his son home. The same will be for you, and the same will be for me. Not because of what you did here on earth, but because of your belief in Jesus. And this is what I want us to do. You're gonna walk away with one thing. In the midst of trials, rejoice in the Lord. Why? As it says in verse three, because you've been born again, a.k.a. because your ultimate trial has already been completed the most ultimate trial that you were supposed to go to, Jesus said, I'm gonna go to it for you. It says that he who knew no sin became sin on your behalf so that you and I could be the righteousness of God, which is to say we were shackled with our sin and our debt on a way to a judgment seat you don't wanna go to. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'll get it. I'll take it for you. And so because he has completed the ultimate trial, at the end of the day, our eternity is secure in him because he already took care of the most hardest part, the sin that separated me and God, you and God, and he made us whole. So let's pray and worship. God, I just thank you so much. I just pray uh, first and foremost, if you do not know Jesus and you've not decided to follow him, today is your day. And so if you wanna have help doing that, uh, if you're watching online or in this room and you're like, man, I need that, like here is a prayer that you can pray. Just say Jesus to yourself, Jesus, I give you my life. You're not gonna know where you're going next You're not gonna know what this this journey is gonna be like, and it's not gonna be easier, but it's gonna be good. And it's gonna be the best thing for you. And so if you've never decided to follow Jesus, just between you and the Lord, let him know. To your soul, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. And the moment is when, when you finally do that, you don't realize your entire life has been changed and you'll learn more, just keep coming, just keep coming. But if you prayed that prayer, there's something we'd like to give to you. It's, it's, a, it's a bag that has a Bible in it and just something to encourage you. And so if everyone can kind of uh, keep your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you decided to follow Jesus for the first time, would you please just raise your hand just so we can get you a gift? We would love just to get you a gift just for finally crossing the line of faith. And if that's you online, send us a message. We'd love to encourage you. Father, I just thank you so much. I just pray for us as your people. Lord, I pray that you would give us endurance to go through whatever we're going through in the moment. But I pray, Lord, above that, give us a a joy in the midst of it because you already satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf. And so, Father, I just pray in this moment that you would start to break strongholds, break fear, break shame, all the things that could be going on in our souls. I pray that you would make us whole. And Lord, I ask that at the end of this trial, God, would you show us something so amazing about you. That is just an absolute game changer that just changes how we see you. And I pray that that would be the fuel that gets them to the next checkpoint you have for them. But praise be to you, Lord, that you are the one who's our living hope with us in the trial. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click the follow button and tune in next week for another great message.